0: Hey you, yeah you, do you want to take advantage of someone to get a reward? Well, in this episode, we'll be covering the exploit mechanic and how sacrificing your own creatures can help you in the long run with some pretty good payoffs. As always, I am your host, Chris, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everybody. And so I've already told you what mechanic we're going over. So right at the top of the episode, I'm going to get this out of the way. If you have any questions, comments, concerns show ideas, you want to tell us what you're working on, please feel free to email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. So with all of that out of the way, Joe, have you been working on any new decks or anything like that this week?
1: Yes, we had a commander night at our local game store on Friday And I know that some of my commander decks are just becoming a little bit uh, repetitive, and people have seen them. So I decided to pull out an old one that I wanted to do a little bit of tweaking to it to try to make it something new and bigger. So I am using Yurlock of Scorched Thrash, which is a Jund-colored commander. Uh, We are taking advantage of the mana burn bit that is always fun as part of that, that card. So... My whole idea was to, of course, give them, give my opponents a bunch of mana that they can't use, and then consequently they would end up taking burn because they it just sits there in their pool, and when we pass to the next step or phase, they're stuck with mana. Uh, it was really interesting because I actually ended up getting, I, I got a pseudo combo on the field. I was able to get Staff of Domination, which has one ability that allows me to untap target creature, and then pay to untap uh, the Staff of Domination as well. So you can eventually link it together and chain it together where you're paying one, you have to pay one up front to tap your lock for the mana ability to get the mana into your pool, then you use the three mana that he creates to activate Staff of Domination to untap your lock. Now, unless you can create some extra mana, I had to keep paying to untap and then tap your lock, untap the staff, and then tap your lock again. But that's all right. I got it to go off once, which is why it's a pseudo combo. But where I was, I was, I put 15 mana in everybody's pool at the end of a at the on someone's end step, and there was only one person who was actually able to take advantage of it. Granted, he took advantage of it in a big way. He was playing an Is it Spell Slinger deck. He happened to have an X spell in his hand that he could use, but. The other two people could not take advantage of it. In fact, one ended up taking all 15 damage and burn. Um, and I was able to just keep spending the mana. So it worked out really well, and of course one of the other guys that was with us, he's he, he he's been playing for a long time and he just thought it was the coolest thing ever, how I was able to put that together so that I could I could create that extra damage. And again, unless you can use the mana, and because I'm doing it on end step, if you don't have an instant in your hand or something with flash, you're kind of stuck. You know, do you have a Nyxbloom Bloom Ancient? Because I have an extra one. Well, do you need one? Because I have an extra well, no, one. No, I I have I have some. Um, I don't have one in that deck in particular. Uh, I I've thought about it. I I don't know if that turns into like a win more card at some point. But it's it's something that probably should go in Dryad of the Elysian Grove. It would also be good to put in there. Um, but right now it's just. It, it was just something different, and I know something that not many people would end up playing. Uh, the only pro- problem I ran into is that I was playing against two mill decks. One mill deck is hard enough, and 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 this guy's got a good mill deck. I mean, it, it's a solid mill deck. We knew when he pulled it out we were going to have a, a challenge, but then for someone else to say, oh, I'm also playing a mill deck, the other... the uh, the, the spell slinger and I both just kind of went, oh crap. Let me guess, one of them tough. was Phoenix. One of them was Phoenix. I know who was playing it. The other one was actually Lazav, the the one that is a uh, um, shapeshifter when creature cards hit the graveyard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I had a Phoenix deck and I had Lazav yeah. in it as well, just so that I could take yeah. advantage of I think of that, the that was what, like,
1: gate, gate Crash Lazav? Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was working on this week, just bringing it back, getting it out there again. Uh, what about you, Chris? All right, so I've so
0: last episode I said that I was working on a red deck win. Um, so I took it upon myself to have like a stack of cards to go with it, so that I can sub cards in and out, so that it can be playable oh, okay. in different
1: formats. Oh, nice! So like instead
0: of playing the lightning bolts that I have or the lava darts that I have. I can sub them oh. for, like, shocks and lightning strikes, and then... So you have a red
1: deck wins for every format, then? Essentially.
0: Nice! I have the spells, so, like, the lightning bolts and the shocks and stuff yeah. like that. I have those taken care of. It's the creatures okay, that I'm having trouble with, because I have, like, um, ten Street Dodger. Right, yeah. Um, I As much as I would love to be able to play it in, like, all formats... There just isn't enough, like, support for it in all formats. Right. Especially Standard. Yeah, so I'm pretty much limiting it to, like, Pioneer, Brawl, like, the somewhat Eternal formats. Okay. Like, Pioneer, Brawl, Modern, Legacy, you know, everything outside of Standard. Right. That way I
1: can, like, kind of... Well, standard it. it's just so hard to keep that updated and with everything rotating out it's much easier with pioneer modern yeah. legacy things like yeah yeah and but Bra- that's a really cool concept
0: and oh uh, sorry i can omit brawl because that's a pseudo commander format but like yeah. pioneer modern legacy stuff like that i have it to where i can switch stuff out with the deck itself instead of just but i'll have a sideboard and everything yeah so i can just like Go okay. We're playing Legacy. I'll take these cards out. I'll put these cards in there. I have a stand- I have a legal Standard deck. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Legacy le- deck. Le- I have a legal Legacy deck. Right. Um. Or if we're playing Modern, I can throw some stuff. Or I can switch some stuff around as well, and just do it that way.
1: Um. I and act- to be clear for our, our less experienced listeners, or our listeners who are newer to the game, uh, if he had a Pioneer version of the deck, it would also be Modern. Usually, Modern and Legacy legal, assuming he doesn't, there aren't any cards that are banned in those formats that aren't banned in Pioneer. It's just more that he would. He, there are better cards that he would like to have in the deck that are legal in Modern that aren't available to you in Pioneer. Same thing that are available in Legacy, not available in Modern or Pioneer. So it's just changing the deck up to have the optimal cards for a red deck wins based off of the format that's being played that night. Yeah, so
0: like some of the like for the Pioneer and Modern One, I have fetch lands in it, just so that I can yeah. still keep my land count at twenty four, yeah. but it's a way that I can thin my deck. Oh, okay. Um, that way I'm burning I'm pretty much burning two cards to get one so right. that I can thin my deck out and make it run a little bit more efficiently. Well in Pioneer, fetch lands are banned. Yes. So that's how I can so if I'm gonna be playing Pioneer, I have I think four yeah, I have four like um, evolving Wilds or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Just so that I can throw those in there. It's still the same concept. It's just that... It well, are there are there any cycling lands you could put in? Oh, Red like cycling lands? Um, For Pioneer, not that I can think of. But I do know that I do have a couple of like mountain cycling cards. But yeah. they don't work in Pioneer. Oh, they
1: don't work in Pioneer. I think okay. they're too late for Pioneer. Got it. So, um, it was just a thought. To help, you, know, you were going with the thin your deck idea. Well, if you had some... Uh, you know, cycling cards if you didn't need it just yeah. discard it draw yeah like I have thought about cycling cards
0: it's just that the way that my deck is built right now mm-hmm. is it's more of an aggro than a burn
1: oh okay um oh right yeah because right, right, it, right. Take, yeah. Cause it
0: takes advantage of Clavelcade and uh yeah. um raid bombardment yeah so I want to be swinging with creatures um and so discarding doesn't really like might help because I'll be able to then it's just that I have it tuned to the way that I like it right now. Nice. Um, But I might do something that might include lands that have like mountain cycling or something like mm-hmm. that. Just so that I can go, okay, I don't need this, but I need a mountain. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't the
1: castles also the land types? I don't think so. Uh-huh. I don't think Castle Emberth is, uh, has the mountain subtype.
0: I know there's some of their stuff that has, um, like, the oh, Dwarven Mine is the mountain one.
1: Dwarven, Dwarven Mine. Actually, I don't think that has the... Because I could have sworn that mystic... Let's find out. Oh, Scryfall. All right, so... Castle Embereth does not, and neither... Oh, Dwarven Mine does. All yes, right, so Dwarven so... Mine has the mountain. Yeah, so yep.
0: Dwarven Mine ha- might be the mountain, and then that... So that would be the one that I would go fetch, right? Using mountain cycling to you know bring that into play. Possibly get something else that I can turn sideways. That would fall under because mm-hmm. it's a one one, and that would fall under the criteria that I need for my stuff to activate. That's true. Um, so that's because I remember dwarven mine was a mountain because Mystic Sanctuary is an island.
1: Oh yeah. Okay, that would yeah. Be the it. common,
0: yeah. the common like they do plans have yeah. are the other types they have the is cottage is a swamp right so that's where i'm at right now i've also been going through my cards while i've been like retooling the deck you know mm-hmm. so that i can modify it i found yark and i was like i'm going to rebuild you so Yarrick i'm going to desecrator so i'm going to rebuild my yark deck i'm okay. debating on whether or not i want to throw in my Muldrotha as well okay um cuz that was a really fun deck that i had and at the time it was like one of my most powerful. Yes, it was. That that was a difficult deck to beat. Um but then
1: we were also playing one on one, so I didn't have as heavy as a as an investment in commander yet at that point. I was still getting into the format, getting back into magic overall, so now I think yeah, we'd be able to hold our own against it a little better. So I'm going to be
0: rebuilding yard because that was one of my favorite decks to play, and I also found my triumph for it. So, oh, there you <laughs> So I'm like, all right, I have, and I, and like, what was funny is like, I was going through all my cards, and mm-hmm. there's like a stack of them that were all from that deck. And I'm like, oh, you just made my life so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like my Yaric, there was a, uh, um, Dryad of Elysium Grove, yeah, um, a Nyxbloom Bloom Ancient, your Panharmonicon. Oh, uh, yeah, turns out I have like four Panharmonicons. Oh, wow. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Didn't know I had that many. So Nice. Yeah, yeah so I'm going to be building the Yark Enter the Battlefield Good
1: stuff again. Awesome. That sounds fun. Our words to live by for today, since we're talking about exploiting things and we're sacrificing all of that fun stuff, our words to live by have to do with that. So our first word to live by is a sack outlet. This is a permanent that has an activated ability that requires the sacrificing of a permanent. Uh, this is in order to make sacrificing happen when you want it and to make it more reliable and efficient, you need to have sac outlets in your in your deck. You need to have a way to make sure that happens. And a lot of these cards, they just go by the generic term sac outlet. You know, so, uh, your things like your carrion feeder, you can sacrifice a creature, Ashnod's altar, you can sacrifice a creature and Altar, you can sacrifice a creature. All of the exploit cards we're going to discuss today, you sacrifice a creature. So these these are all sac outlets, uh, so when you're running a deck of this type, you, you have to make sure you're balancing sac outlets with the other word to live by, which is... Sac fodder. Um, and these can either be throwaway
0: creatures or creature tokens that you don't have any problem sacrificing for the rewards. A nice way to tie these two together with Sack Outlet and uh, Sack Fodder is with Slimefoot. Yes. Because if you have Slimefoot, uh, Parallel Lives, or Doubling Season, and a Ashnod's Altar, you can actually create a loop by. You have the Outlet, s- by sa- the sacrificing them to create the mana. Right. Um, and you'll have enough mana to create more. Uh, more Saffirlings yeah. to create more fodder to sack to this outlet. And then you can rinse and repeat. And in the process, you're generating a whole bunch of mana. And also, you're pinging everybody at the table. There you go. That's a great way to think about it. Oh, yeah. I am also brewing it, my slime foot deck as well because I want one. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about slime foot In oh, there, they're he, are a lot of fun. He, it, it's, it's built around a creature type that there aren't very many of. No.
1: No. Gotta are. love, but like, balance
0: and, like, yeah. you know and fungus, um, but <laughs> it's just, it, I've been brewing that one for a while, like, I've been picking, like, I've been looking at everybody, and, ah, uh, that's for an ep- another episode, probably, you know, next episode, little little teaser there. Maybe. Um, All right, so, with the worst to live by out of the way, we're going to get into the show focus of Exploit. So, the history behind Exploit is that it debuted in Dragons of Here as the mechanic for the blue-black color pair. Um, since then, a few cards have been released in Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons 2, and most recently, Crimson Vow. An expansion, uh, exploit is an expansion of the concept of the kicker mechanic again. And
1: really, to be fair, a lot of mechanics that we have are really just kicker. Yeah, you know, based off of it. Pay an extra cost when the creature comes into play and you get an extra effect. Don't pay the cost, you don't get the extra effect. I mean, it's really that, that, you know, that kind of concept. And this mechanic only appears on creatures. All right, so there's the history. What about the rules? Our rules, 702.110. 702.110A, exploit is a triggered ability. Exploit means when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. 702.110B A creature with exploit exploits a creature when the controller of the exploit ability sacrifices a creature as that resolves. So you gotta remember, when it comes to exploit, according to the rules, there are actually two abilities that happen. You have the actual exploit trigger, When this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. So, the creature is cast, it goes into play, and that's when the exploit trigger actually goes on the stack. It is not something that happens on cast. Keep in mind that at this point, you are not actually making the decision to sacrifice the creature. The exploit trigger is simply on the stack, and you are waiting for it to resolve, your opponents get the opportunity to pass priority and make decisions and take actions in response to the exploit trigger. It's only when you sacrifice the creature does the the bonus uh, trigger that is usually associated with all exploit creatures then goes on the stack, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So keep in mind, triggered abilities that happen after the creature hits the field. Some of our important example cards. Our first one comes to us actually from the Dragons of Tarkir set. This is Sidisi, the Undead Vizier. Sidisi, Undead Vizier, is a 4-6 legendary creature, Zombie Naga, that costs three generic, black, black, and it is a rare from the Dragons of Tarkir set. It has Death Touch, Exploit, And then, when Sidisi Undead Vizier exploits a creature, you may search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So, as you can see, as what we were talking about from the rules earlier, you you do the exploit trigger, you decide if you're going to sacrifice a creature, then if you actually sacrifice a creature, then the bonus ability that happens when you exploit a creature then goes on the stack afterwards, and then that one will resolve separately. And the next one we're going to talk about is Overcharged Amalgam.
0: This one is a 3-3 creature zombie horror for two generic, a blue and a blue. And it's for, it's a rare from Crimson Val that has flying, flash, exploit, and when overcharged amalgam, exploits a creature, counter, target, spell, activated ability, or triggered ability.
1: This one has actually seen a lot of play in Limited. Uh, people really like that ability to be able to to counter the target spell or spell or activated ability. Spell activated or triggered ability. Right, yeah. So that one's seen a lot of play in Limited. The next example we have is Fell Stinger. This is a 3-2 zombie scorpion that again comes to us from the Crimson Vow set. It costs two generic and a black to play. It has Death Touch, Exploit, and when Fell exploits a creature, target player draws two cards and loses two life. So with this one, you sacrifice a creature to sign in blood. Yes, you do. That is correct. You sacrifice a creature to sign in blood, and then you get a 3-2 death touch creature on top of it. Which, at the same time, actually, I, sign in blood costs, what, two black? I black think, black? I think so. Yeah, I think sign in blood is black black. Just the idea that you can exploit, even if you exploited Felstinger to itself, uh, that that's I mean that's still not a terrible price. You're paying one more than you would for no. You're, well, you're getting two generic instead of double black compared to Sign and Blood, but still, uh, Felstinger. If you exploit a creature, you get Sign and Blood and you get a three two Death Touch creature on the field. I can see why that's seeing some play. That is definitely seeing some play. Chris,
0: what's our last featured card? Profaner of the Dead. It's a creature naga wizard for three generic and a blue uh, for a 3-3, and it has exploit. And when Profaner of the Dead exploits a creature, return to their owner's hand all creatures your opponents control with toughness
1: less than the exploited creature's toughness. That's that's actually, you know, a pretty good simple board wipe if you have it in the right deck exploits a creature return to their owner's
0: hands all creatures are it's a one-sided board wipe especially if all right so Uh, you gotta you gotta sacrifice something with pretty massive toughness which it's blue guess where guess what i want now oh (laughs) charix no 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 i want to throw that into my uh home arcady's deck Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, because then that's just a one-sided board wipe. It in is a case one-sided I have board a, wipe, yeah. In case I don't have my Tetsuko out, I can just swing at everybody.
1: You're right, yeah. I'm I mean, You can sacrifice, what, Wall of Denial so that we don't have to worry about that one anymore. No, I'll
0: probably sacrifice <laughs> Gleaming Barrier just so they I can get another treasure token out of it.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah, but <laughs> Profaner of the Dead has got a lot of good uses to it, and it, it's one that actually doesn't see a huge amount of play, but in, I mean... Partially because it's, you know, not legal in a lot of other formats, but it's a really cheap card. I mean, you can pick one up for about a quarter, and and it could see some good play in Commander if you put it in the right deck as a nice little one-sided board wipe. Yep. So the, the Dominant Colors, as we talked about earlier with the history, Exploit Creatures really was the blue-black mechanic for Dragons of Tarkir, And that hasn't changed. You only find exploit in blue and black colors. There are 8 total exploit creatures in blue, 12 in black, and then 1 in multicolored, which is, uh, again, in the demure colors, blue and black. So, really, they've, they've kept it very, very tight. They haven't let it go out into other colors like they had with, like, Overload and such. And since you don't see Exploit show up too much in various sets, it's really easy to keep it in those couple colors. Unfortunately for Exploit, there are no featured decks that actually feature the Exploit mechanic. While it is interesting, and it has a lot of good benefits, and it has some niche uses... There isn't a an actual deck built around exploit. It just doesn't work out very well in the long run
0: it's more like a support mechanic yeah than anything I mean with uh felsinger that one really good upside for the price absolutely and even early game you can if you do it right you can have you know a small token or whatever if you play uh like utility lands or something mm-hmm. like something small that gets you something that you can get rid of really easily, that you can easily turn that little nonsensical creature that you have into, you know, something
1: good. Well, and I know in, in the limited format, um, there has been the, the, the blue, black color pair. Of course, there's a dedicated, dedicated theme of exploit from Crimson Val, but, The idea of being able to draft or actually, from a sealed pool, create a nice exploit deck, it's always kind of hit or miss. You know, you might do really well, you might not. You just got to kind of take the good with the bad in all of that and see what you can put together. But there really aren't any featured decks in standard, modern, pioneer, legacy. And even in Commander, there just hasn't been enough to support an exploit archetype yeah, because like you said, there's 21. 21 cards total. So and that, he, that's now that Crimson Vow has been released. So even
0: if you were to build a commander deck, you wouldn't even make it to the,
1: was it, 30-something creatures? No, no, you wouldn't. Well, and, and to be honest, you're looking at it, and when you start to look at exploit, it really is an aristocrat's theme where you're sacrificing for benefit. And there are just other colors that do that better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like uh, white and black. Yeah, black-white color with pair. Death har- with Tessa being a
0: Death Harmonicon.
1: Yeah. Then you get the Rakdos color pair. does a lot better with uh, Aristocrat's concept. They, they just have such a, a, a jury. Master of the Review is an excellent example. That Commander deck, based off of sacrificing creatures and such to, for a benefit, sacrificing permanents in general for a benefit, there's just there are better color pairs and i think that's part of the reason exploit just hasn't it hasn't caught on as a feature in a lot of decks but if you decide to play with exploit as one of your your main focuses for your deck there are a couple things you need to know you you need to balance your sack outlets with your sack fodder and i think this is one of the hardest balances to def- to develop when you're creating any deck that has an aristocrat's process behind it. Finding enough good fodder, and then not only having enough, but then having enough of a payoff with your sack outlets and the benefits that you're going to get from making all these sacrifices, and then at the same time hoping that it works out correctly when you actually go to play. It's one of the reasons I've never really built an aristocrat's commander deck, or really had any success in any format building an aristocrats deck. Every time I've tried, it just it I I can't find get the balance right and, or it, it never works out with the cards that I can get what I need when I need it. I always end up sort of I either get too much fodder and not enough outlets or or rewards or too many outlets and rewards and not enough things that I actually want to sacrifice, so I end up sacrificing the things I don't want to sacrifice. But anyway, make sure you balance the the different groups of cards together. You also need to make sure you cast the creature when it's actually beneficial to get the exploit trigger. You know, we were talking about earlier with, uh, the overcharged amalgam. You have to exploit that creature at the right time, otherwise it's just, it, it's not gonna do anything. You're just gonna end up with this 3-3 flyer for 4, which, I mean, you know, not terrible, and flash, so you can play it whenever, but You really want to use that exploit trigger so you got to know exactly when to really exploit the creature and when to just either hold back on the creature and not play it, or just let it go. Sometimes you just need to get a creature out on the field to block, so get it out there, let the exploit trigger go, let it pass, no big deal. And finally, we mentioned this earlier, but it's important that you remember, you can sacrifice the creature with exploit to its own trigger and still get the benefit of the exploit trigger ...off of that creature. So, for example, you can cast Overcharged Amalgam, exploit it to itself, and then it will still counter-target spell, activate ability, or triggered ability. All right? Now, keep in mind, that only works when you decide to sacrifice the creature. And Chris is going to tell us in a little bit, when you're playing against exploit, how you can stop those triggers from happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it can. this is the other reason exploit isn't you know a huge mechanic... Because it, it can be kind of finicky and very fickle if you if you don't use it correctly or if you have an opponent that is able to take care of those creatures efficiently, you're, you're going to kind of run out of luck. But those are some of the things to keep in mind when playing with exploit. Just make sure you know what you're doing and have a plan if things go wrong. As Joe has alluded to, when you're playing
0: against exploit, um, first and foremost, take away the fodder. This can be done by... With either creatures, targeted removal, mass removal, mass balance, anything to get rid of the fodder so that they can't use exploit. The second thing you want to know is that sacking the creature is part of the cost. You can't destroy the creature, the sacrifice creature in response. So whenever they go to exploit something, as soon as they say that they're going to exploit it, uh, sacrifice that creature,
1: you can't really do anything to the creature they're Sacrificing to the creature, there right. It's that. our the cost that that's part of the cost. It's been paid. It's in the graveyard, so you can't target it. So
0: here's what you do: target the creature that's exploiting it.
1: So with the Overcharged
0: Amalgam, if it comes into the battlefield, and even if it goes to exploit itself, while that exploit trigger is on the stack you can throw
1: in a targeted removal to take out the overcharged amalgam before the creature actually, before the exploit trigger goes off. And then you can actually stop the counter target spell activated or triggered ability from ever hitting the stack because the the amalgam has gone away before they can actually go ahead and put, put that trigger on the stack. Keep in mind, this may mean that they choose not to sacrifice creature at that point. They won't have to sacrifice a creature because the exploit trigger is a may trigger, and they'll already know now that you're targeting their overcharged amalgam in an attempt to destroy it, or in that case that it has already been destroyed. So you won't necessarily get that two-for-one that you might hope. They may choose to sacrifice a creature anyway to the exploit trigger, but really at that point, only if there's another benefit to actually having a creature get sacrificed or leave the battlefield. And like I said...
0: That brings me to number three. Uh, you can destroy it in response to the exploit trigger and keep the beneficial trigger from happening. So if you target it at the right time, you can stop it and, you know, have them waste their resources. Now, for uses in different formats, uh, the only one that's really seeing play in standard is fellstinger Stinger for reasons like we said. It yeah. gives you card
1: draw. Not saying that the other ones aren't, because I've seen Overcharged Amalgam show up a little bit. Uh, but, by and large, the only one that you're really seeing having any significant effect in Standard, uh, or in any of the formats really, is the Fellstinger That might change once we get some new sets, maybe there's some more sacrificing benefits that will go on, but... Right now, Fellstinger is just, that's, that's it, that's all the people really want to play with exploit triggers.
0: And then there are some cards that show up in commander if they fit like like I just said I might be putting the uh, Profaner of the Dead into my Arcades deck even though it's not a defender to work with it it will still work
1: I can still use it as a um mass bounce Sidisi is a pretty popular commander mm-hmm. yeah you, know, you being able to search for a card basically uh, if I remember correctly let me check that again uh, yeah basically you get a tutor Whenever Sidisi exploits a creature, so even if you're paying 7 you know commander tax once on there, to get a 4-6 death touch with a tutor, that's pretty awesome. So, Sidisi sees some pretty decent playing commander, but by and large, I mean, there's just a lot of setup for the rewards that you get. And when they're so finicky that maybe they'll happen, if your opponents decide to let it happen, yeah, it's just... It's just kind of kind of difficult for, for exploit to really see a lot of play in different formats so any more any more thoughts or ideas about uh, exploit you know not not really I mean exploit is interesting it's a cool concept but again you know you look at it there's just not as many cards that are supported by the by the mechanic and at the end of the day kicker is just a safer bet it really is. If you want to get something extra for for what you're doing, just play a kicker card instead, and it, odds are you're going to have an easier time. But that that's just my opinion on the on the mechanic as a whole. So,
0: all right. So with the main part of the episode out of the way, we actually have a little bit of scuttlebutt today, and we talked about the unsets as the um, word slip by um, last episode, correct? Yeah. So this one, so this scuttlebutt is actually referring to one of the unsets with the Infinity set that's going to be coming out in uh, 2022, I believe, February time frame. I think that's right. Um, And why I wanted to talk about this is this is one of the first times that a unset is actually going to be printing tournament legal cards. Whereas in the past, all of them, the only ones that
1: have been tournament legal are the basic lands. Everything else has been silver bordered. And so it's not, yeah, it's not tournament legal in any format. But with the Unfinity set that's coming
0: out, they have already spoiled that they are going to be printing the Shocklands. So all 10 of the Shocklands are going to be done in the unfinity like art style. Yeah. But because they are tournament legal cards this is the first time in my knowledge that a unset has printed tournament legal cards.
1: yeah uh, to best of my knowledge too and I think it's be really interesting I, th- I think it's I guess it's an interesting concept and I like that they're reprinting the Shocklands. I, I I don't know how I feel about the entire thing being and when we say tournament legal we're talking it's gonna be like similar to Commander. They're going to be legal in Eternal Formats, so Legacy, Vintage, Commander, that kind of an idea. They're not going to be legal in Modern, to the best of my understanding. They won't be legal in Pioneer or Standard or anything like that. It, it will be your your Eternal Formats, but I, I just, I really, oh, oh, well, hold on, but that's a shock land. Yeah, that's yeah. The shock lands will be different. Will be legal wherever you have the shock lands being legal. Uh, you're talking about the cards. The themselves. cards themselves. Yeah, yeah. We know the shock lands. We know the basic lands will be legal in in all sets where those are legal. That's that's not a problem. But the rest of the set you know, in eternal formats, and even then, it's it's one of those things. I don't know how excited I am about that yet because they typically try to the unsets have always pushed the boundaries to where. The, the the effects of cards don't always work with the rules as they are printed for competitive magic, so, or for just playing the game, the comprehensive rules. They don't always work. And so I am concerned that people are going to... They're, they're going to print some cards that don't really work, and they're going to be forced to work, or they're going to be some of these cards that are joke cards that are meant to go way above and beyond what a normal magic card should be allowed to do, and so we're going to end up with a really broken card that suddenly takes over an eternal format, and it it was all meant from a joke fun set anyway. But we'll see how it goes. Personally, I think that whole concept is just a money grab by Wizard. And I hate to say it, but I also think putting the Shocklands in there I think it's just another way for people to for wizards to grab money out of people and get get people to buy a supplemental set that really they're fun but they don't they don't really have a lot of value other than the basic lands, the shock lands in this case, and the fact that they're going to make the cards legal in eternal formats. So Oh. Oh. Oh, for those of you who aren't able to see, which is, you know, everybody uh, Chris is currently looking at an article online um, and I'm assuming he's going to explain it to us here momentarily and I quote uh, this is from the MTG wiki so but
0: that's usually reliable okay unlike previous unsets Unfinity is black bordered yes we know that some of the cards will have acorn shaped hollow foils to end oh it.
1: right yes that's how they're making them different
0: yes to replace the significance of silver borders. So the fact that, so, all right, that really irks me because, so, that, that, right. So here's the thing, assembled assembly, uh, assembled ensemble, the, uh, I'm looking at the uh, spoiled cards. It's, it has the acorn,
1: which I remember the acorn means it will not be legal, but saw in half has the oval, right? The oval little holographic foil symbol is, that's it. That's how they're making part of them legal and part of them not. Oh, I am so getting some more, I'm so getting a lot of saw and halves. So, and I I think that's, and that's the other thing. That does take care of the issue that I had about cards not working with the rules correctly and interacting correctly. The acorn shaped hollow symbol will be all the cards that don't work well in the format and don't work well as a tournament legal card, whereas the oval-shaped ones that we're so familiar with from all the sets in the past. And again, for those of you who may not be familiar, the hollow foil symbol that we're talking about is found, it's mostly cards within the past decade. It's down in the center towards the bottom of the card, and it has the little planeswalker uh, symbol in it. If it's an oval shape, a horizontal oval, those will be the ones that will be legal in the tournament settings, whereas an acorn shape is not legal. So, I mean, it's cool. It's it's interesting that they're going to print those, but again, I'm not entirely sure it's the best idea for formats.
0: All right, so, and typically the holofoil is only on, like, rares, rare, rare, mythics. And mythics. Yeah. But from what I can see on the... With the few spoiled cards that they have now, yeah. Um, assembled ensemble is a uncommon, but it does have the acorn, but it does have the hollow foil. So, so they're
1: going to need it yeah. on all so, of them in order to do this. So yeah.
0: this is so on top of you know not being silver bordered and actually having tournament legal cards, it's also putting hollow foils on commons. Yeah. So this set is actually like breaking. A lot of their, like,
1: preset rules. It is. It is. And, and I think it, it'll have some new ideas and some things that we'll have to get used to. But we'll see how it goes. I, I mean, like,
0: from what I'm seeing, like, there's some funny cards. There's some cool cards. There's some, you know, cash grab cards. Right. I love the, like, the basic lands. I'm still going to, I will happily drop, like, a couple hundred dollars if I can save it up. I'll drop a hundred, couple hundred dollars on just the lands itself. The lands are gorgeous; they truly are. <laughs> like, I want at least five of each. Yeah, I, and I don't mean five of each color. No, they have two. Yeah. So I so ten lands of each, five of each, just yeah. because both styles are. They're still going to be full art. They're still going to be the full car, like cover the entire card and keep that tradition going. Yeah, it's just two different styles and both. I can't decide between both of them. Like it, it's still, it's now ranking up there with like all
1: of the unsets with their lands and how beautiful they are. Yeah. It's one of my favorite part about the unsets is the, the land art that they have. The shock land art is fantastic. And those are going to be highly valued, highly sought after. Like
0: I absolutely. So breeding pool is like, is like breeding pool is One of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, godless shrine is by far the most beautiful
1: i've seen which and yes we realize that we're talking about visual art in a spoken word podcast but Uh, if you go 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 check out the spoilers because they really do look awesome if you go to scryfall and you
0: just type in infinity or you do an advanced search and you just search for infinity um it'll pull up all the cards that they have so far and like some of them are funny. Some of them are like the saw in half one is absolutely is like beautiful. And I want some, but then they have things like, uh, this, the space family goblinson and referencing the Swiss family
1: Robinson. Yes. And, yes. and,
0: And like this space family goblinson, um, it has a, it has a mechanic in it that we've already seen. It deals with rolling dice. We just had that with, Forgotten Realms. So this one, so there are a couple, so there's like two of them that are tournament legal, two of them that aren't tournament legal. Mm-hmm. So there's only been four cards spoiled. So we don't know the big picture. We don't know how many are going to be tournament legal yeah. and how many aren't. But the fact that they're doing tournament legal stuff in an unset, which has never been tournament legal. Yeah. It, yes, I can see the whole cash grab, but. I love the unsets. They're so stupid. They're so quirky. They're so funny. Akhan's run.
1: Well, okay, yes. Akhan's run is <laughs> it's the lyric life. Um, that that yes, that is still a classic card. Don't get me wrong.
0: Contraptions.
1: <laughs> I guess I start. I guess I look at it from a perspective of I. I only. It, it's 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 kind of like the game. I only have a certain amount of resources that I can put into this game, and I'm I'm happy to put in resources where I really, really want them. It's just not my thing to put them to cards that can't be used outside of tournament legal formats. That being said, I know that some of these cards will not be tournament... Which, by the way, is uh, Space Family Goblins, and is that going to be tournament legal? That is, yes, okay, it is. Right, it okay. does not have the acorn. Okay. All right. Um... So now you're looking at. We don't have all of the, you know, the specifics on how these cards are going to be released as far as boosters go. But if I get a booster pack of of Infinity, I I want all the cards to be tournament legal. You know what I mean? Because if, if I'm going to invest money in this, and I am looking actually for specific cards. Are are stores going to be cracking packs like they have in the past? Because I know the last time, what well, Unstabled was the last one that unsanctioned unsanctioned. I know that our, our LGS did not crack unsanctioned packs. They sold them. Granted, they only had like two boxes or something like that. They didn't get a a huge amount. And I know they went pretty quickly. People were just excited to get them, but they didn't crack any packs. So if we are going to get saw in half and it becomes a staple of the format, whatever that format happens to be, where it becomes popular, if it becomes popular, What's the value of that going to turn into? How expensive is that card going to become? simply because stores may not be interested in cracking packs for cards that they aren't going to sell necessarily? Yeah, I just I, I worry about it. One of the other issues we've been talking about is just the rising cost of, especially the eternal formats and playing in them. Is saw in half going to turn into, another one of those expensive cards that you need to find. But in order to do that, you have to crack packs for a set about which you don't care. But you want that card. So in order to get it, somebody has to crack the packs. Are you going to take... Are are you personally going to take on the risk, the financial risk? Is your LGS going to take on the financial risk? I guarantee they're not right now. And Card Kingdom, uh, Channel Fireball... Star City Games, are only going to have so many copies out there available. You know, so at that point, what's going to happen to the cost of that card? Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it was just, I think it's cool they're going to start putting some of them into tournament legal formats, but I have my concerns about that too. But the shock land art is beautiful. All the land art is beautiful. So <laughs> I, I guess we keep coming back to that as like the one redeeming quality of the set. Like, the land
0: art is beautiful. So I think I kind of, so I figured out the difference between the lands. Okay. All right. There's one where it's like surface. Okay. And then the other ones are planets. Oh, nice. So there's going to... So like the swamp is a like a dark planet. An island is like mostly water. Yeah. The mountain planet is like... Think Mustafar. It's volcanoes. Yeah. Like it's red. The forest is like green. The plains is by... It's kind of like one of the laziest. It's almost like it's a star. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. But it's like... Inside it has like a whole bunch of rings. Whatever. But like the like the the land, the surface ones, those like I can if you look at the the surface lands and then you look at the planet, the planet version of it, you can kind of envision like, yeah, I can see that, you know, forest
1: being on that planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Uh, once again, brought to you by Card Art Podcast, (laughs) where we talk about the art, but we don't let you see it. Go
0: look it up. It, they're <laughs> like, you will see why the onsets are so popular for their lands just yeah. off of this. But the fact that like, all right, going to bring this all together. Unfinity is breaking the mold. Very much. The, they looked at the rule book and went, huh, that's nice. Threw it out the window of like a 50 story building right into a dumpster that was on fire. That was in a shredder. Like <laughs> they completely got rid of the playbook with this set yeah i love it but i also like don't love it it's like give and take i love the lands i love how i love saw in half just because i'm i'm going to break it i want to break it
1: Well, we already talked about how to break it before the before the podcast we, we we had talked about a good way to break saw in half already so yeah there's gonna be multiple multiple people that are gonna be able to use that card effectively and so with all of that out of the way
0: I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, No questions uh, uh, from listeners today. Sorry about that. We'll try to get to it in the next
1: episode with the scuttlebutt. Um, But plugging our next episode, stay tuned, because it's it's going to be a little bit of a different episode. We're wrapping up the year, and so we're going to go ahead and take a bit of a different approach to what we discuss, and it it won't be quite the same episode as what you've heard in the past. And so with all of that out of the way, if you have any questions, comments,
0: concerns, you want to tell us what decks you have built over the last year, hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at, uh, you can email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at hood. As always, want to thank you for listening to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.